welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. Westy's video is off for anyone watching on YouTube because his internet connection isn't great. Uh, so you just have to hear the, the dulcet tones of Westy. Westy, give us some dulcet tones. What does dulcet mean? I think it means, like, uh, is it like bassy or like low? My darling, I can't get enough of your love, baby. Like that. No, no. Westy's uh, Westy's video is actually off because he's sporting a top knot. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's light. Yeah, slanderous yeah. light. <laughs> slanderous light. Big Westy's Papa light. wears it once, and Westy's wearing it now. That's that's the copycat culture we live in. I'm a bandwagon type guy. What can I say? I some the rumors are Westy that Papa Lee copied you. So sorry, who? Do you, do you mean Papi Alili? Papi Alili. Is that what the Ulster Comrades were calling them? Air sport the whole time. Papi Alihi. Uh, yeah, he's... actually, you could almost let Air Sport away with that one if they weren't pronouncing Peter O'Sullivan O'Sullivan instead of Peter Sullivan. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just read it. It's it's clearly in front of you on a piece of paper at some point. Like they also said at one stage, you know, these are paid sports analysts, and they said when the guy said, uh, "I'm pretty sure uh, Peter Wilkinson's going from defense to attack coach," and it's like you're pretty sure this is probably something yeah. you should know. <laughs> really, you know, it's your job to know. So, uh, but we'll not get stuck into commentary yet, because Sam, I'm sure you could talk for hours on that. But we do have uh, plenty of rugby to talk about. The Rainbow Cup, guys. I think we're all agreed. The best competition in the world. We're all agreed. I'm pretty sure that if uh, if Connacht end up going all the way in this, I'm going to get like a Mario Rainbow Road tattoo on me. Like, I'm I'm all in on the Rainbow Cup. Like silverware, <laughs> yeah. silverware. I, I take back anything I ever said about the Rainbow Cup. Do we put a star on the crest on the jersey? That's what I want to know. I think we put a rainbow. Don't don't even put a star. Just do a rainbow around it. Oh, that'd be class. This this bit here. This just this could just be rainbow. Yeah, and that's it. What do you think, Westy? Yeah, but I think maybe we should go for maybe something like more like ostentatious. Like uh, maybe we just get like a giant trophy stitched above the crest instead of a star. Oh, I like that. Rainbow. Or on the on the back, you could list all the teams that participated and didn't win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the back of the jersey just to be petty because I like being petty and we'll get to petty there was a lot of pettiness in the Munster Leinster game but we'll get to that between, uh, it's between us and Dragons for the uh, uh, us Dragons and Benetton for the Rainbow Cup now who'd, who'd have saw that coming <laughs> <laughs> you, you would have got good odds on that at the start of the year uh, but yeah we'll talk about Ulster Connacht first Connacht coming out 26-24 it was an incredible game to start off the, the Rainbow uh, Cup um, Westy Connacht started fast. The tempo was there early. The physicality was there. It was a great start. Like they looked, they looked like a team that was coming off a poor performance in Europe and wanted to really kind of you know make a make amends for it. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with the way we react, especially having a week off as well in between. I think um, probably gave the guys a bit more time to kind of dwell on it a bit. I know you guys were talking to Paul Boyle, and he was saying he hates having a week off in between a loss. I think maybe it does make you take a bit of a harder look at yourself. Um, also, do you know, it's, it's a long way up to Ulster. You know, we've had a pretty decent record against Ulster the last couple of years. Uh, losing them at home was obviously pretty painful this year. Um, so I think the guys were really up for it. I think line speed was good to start with. I think for the most part, our organization was pretty good. Um, now our line speed kind of, we got maybe a little bit stoppy towards the end. Our line speed kind of cost us and we left gaps uh, that were pretty well exploited. But no, I think we definitely... For like for a tournament where you're wondering what kind of mindset people would have, we definitely went to that game with the right mindset, the right kind of right attitude. You mentioned Paul Boyle, as you said, we had him on last week. Opens the scoring with a with a try uh, 
his usual kind of pick and go monster uh, kind of performance. Uh, Caelan Blade had a fantastic game, Sam. With a, we're, I think we, we're giving him a hat trick, right? Even though one was ruled out for a double move, I think we're going to give him the hat trick, right? Yeah, you have to give him the hat trick. Uh, the double movement, I really like. I, I'm saying I didn't think I th- didn't think the ref got it right. I didn't think the ref got it right. But I was listening to someone talking about it, and I'm, if if the ref isn't given a double movement, if the ref is given rolling on the on the ground first and then playing the ball on the ground, I think that there is actually part of a law that does does explain that you can't do that. Like he needs to get back up and try and go for it. You have one movement; you don't have two movements on the ground. So it's a really really tough one. I'm glad they didn't spend their captain's referral on it because I think the captain's referral might have been taken off them if that was the case. Uh, because it just seems so too nitty gritty. It looked at the time to me like the ref called it a double movement, and it wasn't. Uh, it came up something I I talked about about a week or two ago. I, I texted you lads. There's no difference between a defensive penalty or a try in terms of what the ref does. So I was cheering. I was like, "Yes, go yeah. on, lads!" And we it, all got caught. <laughs> yeah, and that that's that that needs to be addressed. I don't know if, if the ref can make like a little P for penalty or something or T for try, but I don't yeah. know. It, it, something needs to be done with it. Should but. the ref in those situations and I, I open this to body is. Should the ref in those situations, if he's not sure, should he give the try and then check the TMO? Because it's easier I, than the check. I think he should, yeah. And I think in in the day and age that we live in, whereby supposedly the entire game is being scrutinised by a TMO after the fact and refs are being updated, which I think is going to take a back seat to this new captain's referral. It's something that's happened in Super Rugby Arts Row where things are being missed more and more and you're expected to refer them if they're really that bad. But I think they, with that day and age and with that, that mentality that the ref should be on-field decision should be try let's see if it can get overturned uh or is there any reason why i can't award the try because in my mind he's he's made a decision there that i don't think he was sure about but he's made it as if he was sure it's the same with the the very last moment in the game as well where he's, he's made a decision from 20 30 yards away and it turns out it was wrong and how often in the past from a conic point of view or from any rugby team point of view does so that gets swept off and we don't even question it there's no there's no replay there's no footage and you just assume that that was a knock-on uh, back to Westy's point, though, really unbelievably impressed with the line speed out the gap. It's quite similar to when we played Leinster early on in the season. Um, now, with that amount of line speed and that aggression in the in the line speed, I think you will have missed tackles. It's going to happen. But I think personally what the mentality is and what Paul Boyle was kind of saying to us last week is that he was happy with the tackling, happy with the aggression, happy with the defensive structures and I think that if you are okay with understanding that they will have some big breaks every once in a while that's part and parcel of this method of defending then that's okay because they did but it didn't really hurt us because we stayed in the game even when we were losing we stayed in the game even when Carty was on a yellow card we're constantly constantly in the game and that's because we were nullifying them with that line speed um, there was a lot of good performances I think Jack Carty didn't have a great game whatnot, especially with the boot he kind of made a couple of mistakes Westy, I think, and I was watching it back. I that's why he's not in the Ireland ten discussion. Unfortunately, I think that's what's keeping him out. Like, why we keep? How many times has he kicked the ball out in the restart, Westy? Like, why? How does this keep happening? See, I think I think it happens when you have that kind of ten. Like, you know, we we talk about Finn Russell as well. Like, and we often compare Jack Hart to him. When you have a ten that's going to try stuff like that, it's not always going to come off. And I think, yeah, maybe Jack Hart's a little bit the wrong side of that statistic, but he's that kind of ten that like. If he sees a gap, he's, his instinct is to go for it. Um, and look at maybe a couple of those kicks he overcooked. But I mean, Sam raised the point we were talking during the game. Like the ideas aren't wrong. It's the execution that's letting us down. So 
Um, I'm not I even think saying maybe... those those kicks where he tried it's the the second half kickoff. He puts it out in the foot. I, I'm going to argue with that. I at the time I I went, oh Jack, what are you doing? Because he's done it before. But if you watch it, it's so smart by Balakun because Balakun fakes it. So Balakun looks like he's going to tackle it. So the winger who's rushing up on it braces himself to look like he's going to tackle Balakun, and Balakun leaves it and goes out. Whereas if Balakun hasn't faked that, and that's not smart by, play by Balakun. That's a pinpoint accurate kick to a full flight running winger, which is what Jack Hardy is probably aiming to do. And that's what how close you have to put it. But I think Balakun does really, really well to put off the winger because the winger gets caught in two minds between tackling Balakun if he makes the catch, which he's pretending to do, uh, or, you know, stopping him. Whereas, like, if the winger does what was originally planned and runs that line and catches that because that's the pinpoint accuracy on it, everyone's talking about what an amazing kick that is. And I think that's a fine margin that... I don't necessarily think is all on Jack, to be honest. I don't know. I think it, if it was a one-off, but it happens more regularly than it should for a, a, a 10 as good as he is. Um, the kicks the kicks in the first half, I don't necessarily mind those as much because, like you said, Westy, that's a reaction thing. And, um, you know, it just didn't, the bounce of the ball didn't go his way. But that, that ball shouldn't be bouncing out anywhere in the fall anyway, Sam. No, but if you, if you take what I just said into consideration where it's going towards the, stri- the sideline and the winger's rushing up and the winger can catch that at catchable height and that's brilliant and that's an absolutely unbelievably accurate kick like pinpoint into his hands. But because Balakun dummies like he's going to go for it and then leaves it, the winger braces to make a tackle on Balakun because he thinks he's getting to it first. That's what I'm saying. I think that it's almost like, it's almost like attempting a cross-field kick. I don't know, Westy, what do you think? Settle the debate. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I definitely think... Balakum does com- I look as if he's going to commit to the ball and jump up. I think probably the, the kick could be weighted that if someone like, um, you know, Healy was on a wing or Porsche was coming up, you pr- if you jumped, if you got high enough and caught that midair, you're landing in touch and it probably is a good a good strategy. It does seem like the kind of thing Carthy would do. Um, it does seem kind of, I suppose they want to get in the front foot after half time, but it seems like a needless risk, um, the opening kick of the game or the only kick of the half, rather. Yeah, true. No, I'd like, I'm not saying that I think he had his best game because I really didn't. But I think that sometimes something like that gets leveled at Jack Carty as an inconsistency. Whereas I, find, I think if you watch back at many Leinster games this year, like Harry Byrne kicks them out in the full, like Billy Burns has done it. Loads of people are doing it. That's quite regular. But I think that sometimes you get de- dealt this kind of tag of being really, really inconsistent. And that's why he's not in the Irish team. And then when something like that happens, which is not level with the inconsistencies, kick them out in the full completely wrong before but I think that that's a tactical thing and I think Balakun does well in that case but it just adds to a narrative that already exists around him I think the inconsistent tag is fair with Jack Carthy I, I, I disagree and I, I disagreed on this before I think that Jack Carthy playing in that Leinster team that's been dominant in the league with a dominant pack all year I think is much more consistent than he has been but when he's been on the back foot he's had to play behind it he's played it and I think that you can't judge him on the same level as you can judge like Leinster second choices or, you know, Munster second choices when they have the dominant front foot pack because we don't have that as much. Uh, I think that, yeah, he's been a little bit inconsistent, but I think that that's a lot more to do with the scenarios he's been put in. And if you put him into the same situations where Harry Byrne had a pretty much dominant Leinster pack during the Six Nations or something, I think Jack Cardi would shine absolutely and would completely outclass Harry Byrne. I just think that the inconsistency probably stems from Connick's lack of being able to dominate a game more so than his actual ability. Oh yeah, I'm not saying Harry Burns better than him, definitely not. I'd have him, but I just think 
the people are saying he should be Ireland's starting 10 and stuff like that. I think that is the, one of the part of his game that keeps him out because as an international head coach, it would frighten the life out of you. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's as Sam is saying. The problem is he has that tag now. So anytime he does make a mistake like that, you're going to go, oh, there's the inconsistency. Where somebody else could be... Same with the JJ Hanrahan thing. JJ Hanrahan has one of the best success rates kicking in the in the Pro 14. But he's he's classed as, a, as a, not a big moments player because he's missed... Well, okay, two or three fairly high-profile kicks, but he'll have to make twice as many as anybody else to lose that tag. Yeah, no, it's fair. That is it's fair points. Uh, there's a next talking point, which I think me and Sam would disagree on as well, because we were chatting about it when we were golfing. Uh, Big Papa, obviously, Kamal was incredible. We'll get to that in a second. But Andy Friend was not happy that Ulster wasted... Um, not wasted, he was happy that they wasted it, but that they challenged the captain's referral on his tackle late in the game. Andy Friend said that it wasn't, um, I don't know what his actual quote was, but he said that he, he wasn't happy with that they tried to sort of pinpoint Big Papa and try to get his sort of reputation for getting red cards and try to get it sent off. Uh, Westy, before we and Sam talk, what, did, what was your views on that? Well, I, I think I said the exact same thing in our group chat when they made the call. Like they Now, Matty Ray says somebody, he felt contact of his head, like, but it is, they're trying to exploit the fact that Papalili has a reputation for high tackles. It's the only thing the Ulster commentators could say when he first came on. Um, and they were, try, they were kind of in hope that if this is, they knew that if it was any way high, he was going to get sent off. Because he is going to get treated harshly because he does have a reputation for getting red cards. Okay, but what, so my point is... So I think why... it was cynical. I, th- I think it was, I think they were him and Hohen in hope and thinking that if he's, like, if he's close to a yellow card and not a yellow, and it's not, wouldn't be a yellow card for anybody else, but if Papalili is close... He'll get the yellow card, especially the fact they just scored a bleed and try. Like it's the sourest of sour grapes of a challenge. I think it's just silly. And yes, that's why they lost it. It made their captain challenge completely redundant. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. But at the same time, the game was still very much in the balance. You would gain a massive advantage by lose, by Connacht losing a player, and especially if the player did feel like it was high. Just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't see. I don't really see the massive uprage or the uproar about it. I, I, I'm not outraged about it. Like I just, I think it's just a little bit. Like I think it's, I think it's bad sportsmanship. If I'm perfectly honest with you. Like, but the game was very much in the balance, Westy. This wasn't like there were twenty points. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think they goal. believed it was a high tackle. I don't think they believed it was a high tackle. Well, they said think... they come out and said that they have Maddie, Maddie Ray. Well, yeah, because they're hardly going to be like. Yeah, oh, yeah what I'm saying, you, you, assuming that they did that, is also very cynical. But they've also come out and said that someone ran on with a water bottle and told them to challenge it. So, like that, that for me, that for me, it's, it's a uh, shot of hope because they know that he has previously hit people quite high. It was close enough to high, even though he was very low and the player was dipping down into it and it didn't make the contact, maybe the slightest little brush, but I don't think it did. Uh, and I, I think to me, it's not really in the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is to overturn a wrong decision that like goes against you or a try scoring opportunity or something like Marmion's one, where it's a ref's call from far away, whereas opposed to they, they didn't lose any advantage by that hit. They actually scored on the same set of phases of play. So to me, it's not really in the spirit of the law. And I don't think, I think that it was quite cynical and I don't like that use of it to try and get someone who has a reputation for being red carded, a red card. And I'm really glad. And it, it was, it was quite, it was nice and just for it to not be the red, because we've been saying how good his chop tackling and his tackling low has gotten for someone that was going quite high early on in his kind of career. So I, 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 I didn't like it. I didn't like it in the spirit. I know it's a new law, so we don't really know how to use it but I just don't think that that's what the law is there for or meant for. And I don't think that you're getting that much of an advantage by doing that to try and get the red. I think the advantage that you're supposed to get from it is to get a blatantly wrong decision overturned on a phase of play that was broken up because of that wrong decision, as opposed to 
something that was an advantage or wasn't even an advantage and then they scored a try anyway. I think that that's kind of just not really in good spirits and it, it just irked me the wrong way. I can see your point that there would have been a massive advantage if they'd gotten the red, but you know, if you go, if, if you got the ref to review every single breakdown, there's going to be infringements. I, I just don't see that that's what you need to do with this. You don't need to put every single thing under the microscope like that, especially after scoring. In Super Rugby Arturoa, though, they've checked for stuff like that. They've used the captain's referral for... Yeah, but not after scoring Chai. There was, there was, they've checked the captain's referral for a high hit when the phase had broken down a, a hit later. But this, they, they kept playing. They, they played brilliantly and they scored a try in the corner. Yeah, they kept playing, but it still doesn't... Just because someone scores a try, it doesn't mean a red's not a red. No, but it's the, the fact that the, the, in Super Rugby Arturoa, it has broken up play and it has stopped the team's momentum, whereas this didn't break play and didn't stop momentum and was wrong. So, like... Yeah, it's I wrong. Don't... I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying though. They, I just think it's. I think it's people getting. And I, I, I agree. Like it's kind of fans being a bit annoyed that you know their player was targeted. And I get Andy Friend where he's coming from. He should defend his player. But I think well, that I think, it's... I think it's quite. I think it's quite like going down softly and trying to get someone sent off. It's not in the spirit of sportsmanship. You don't try and get someone sent off. Someone gets sent off for something that's wrong. You don't try and go out of your way to get them sent off. A ref and a TMO should send people off. And if there's a big hit like that and he doesn't get sent off. He'll get a sighting anyway, and that's kind of the way that rugby has worked. I just don't think you should try and go out of your way to get someone sent off. Getting a decision overturned and getting someone sent off are different things. Okay, well, agree to disagree. If you're listening along and you have an opinion, tweet us uh, at the page and see. Did you think that it was sour grapes, or do you think Ulster are well in the right to do it? Uh, let us know on the thing. But big, we'll talk about Big Pap as a positive because he was... It's probably Is that his best game in a college jersey? I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Like We've seen... We've been defending him on this podcast for a long time. We, you know, people are saying that he hasn't been fit, and you can tell significantly he does look a lot slimmer um, on the pitch. And you can tell that we all we have been saying that you know, give him a couple of games and a run of a run of games, consistent game time, and you'll see the benefits from it. And we saw that yesterday, didn't we, Sam? Or, or sorry, on uh, Friday night. Yeah, I definitely think it was the best game he's had in terms of his overall contribution to it. He's had games where he scored tries and he's had games where he's had a destructive five meter run or a good class 10 minutes. But I think that that he was tackling, he was defending well, he was, he picked and went when it was the right time to do it. Caelan Blade came out in his post-match interview and said, you know, it's all well and good for Big Papa to run the way he did, but we need to do something on the next phase. And what he did brilliantly a couple of times was played scrum half, which made the pillars think, made the defense think. And it gave Marmion, Marmion went out of the 10 channel. We had a full back line outside of the scrum half outside of it, which meant that if the pillars didn't get in place, he was running. And we saw that happen and fair play to Will Addison in his first game back. He stood tall and he got him down. But uh, on other occasions, he gave it out wide to Marmion and Marmion flashed it out. And I think that it was a much better overall contribution to the game. Uh, I think that that's the type of thing that I'd like to see from him from now on. I don't necessarily think he has to ever be a, an out-and-out starter. If you can have a finisher eight like that to come on and like really ramp up the pressure, give the forward momentum, the forward ball, go forward ball, allow a back line to play like that. Yo, start the odd game, start games that you feel you might have a bit of an upper hand or a game that you might be struggling in terms of size. Yeah, but I think that if you could have a half an hour out of them every week like that, you'd be more than happy with that. And you know that sort of contribution, I remember... And it's a, it's a big com- comparison. I'm not comparing the two players at all because obviously Nick Williams is an absolutely amazing player. But I remember being 
in the sports ground and watching Ulster beat Connacht. It was only one score a game. And Nick Williams just picked the ball up at the back of a mall or a scrum and there was no stopping him. And it was like that. It was we are I we haven't had a player like that really. Like Muldoon is grade eight, Bainga was grade eight, Paul Boyle is grade eight, but they were not that destructive. And it's it's so nice to have one because like Japs is Vice the last week or Nick Williams in the past or uh, Marcel Coetzee, like any of these destructive running CJ Sander, like they just get go forward ball and everything becomes more positive after that. Like blades try came off big papa like that, you know, just once you get go forward, happy days. So chuffed for him, really happy for him. Really hope he signs on and really hope we don't see him playing for fucking Cardiff or dragons or something next yeah. season. Yeah. Running over poor Jack Carthy or something. Cause, uh, Billy Burns got absolutely flattened in the build up to that uh, blade try, but in fairness to him, he got back up and went at it again. But um, Westy Samix, sorry, go ahead, yeah, Westy. I was gonna say that's really that's kind of what Sam was saying, you know, the, the bladey post match interview. Like, that's the really intelligent way of using Papa Lili. Like, Papa Lili carries there, barrels over Billy Burns, and Billy Burns is well, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still a little bit dazed, but he's still trying to get back on side when Blade picks up and goes. So it's kind of I think it's it's not just kind of the best performance out of Papalili, but it's the best we've used him and the best that we've kind of stra- strategically planned around it. To have him come on and start gain that extra one uh, extra one or two meters, and then catching the team on the back foot a little bit better. Because I think we struggled with that a little bit in the first half. We had a lot of possession, um, and while our rook speed wasn't necessarily slow, we just kind of like Ulster were very well organized. So we kind of struggled to catch them a little bit unawares earlier on in the well, maybe after the first 10 minutes of the first half yeah Westy we saw a great impact from the bench we saw like obviously Papa Lee Connor Fitz come on uh, Peter Sullivan or Peter O'Sullivan uh, according to commentary um, came on and you know scored the win try it's great to, to see the bench come on and really make an impact yeah I think and it's definitely you know we've talked about before about kind of kind of pushing for depth and depth's not really been something that we've had a lot of years I think we're in a fantastic situation, a scrum half where we have two definitely international quality scrum halves. Um, I think our only problem is we don't know who our best scrum half is. Although I think, you know, I know Sam's going to say it's kind of a horses for course situation, which is probably how it will continue. Um, great to see Connor Fitz get some confidence back. He has looked a little bit shaky in one or two of the games he's come on in. Um, I thought he was very, very comfortable when he was on. Um, and, you know, Peter Sullivan made two appearances. You know, don't forget he came on pretty early was very, very solid for a while and then went off and came back on and closed out the game. So I think I think Andy Friend has managed the squad really well this year. You know, like we're gonna talk about later the fact that I think Leinster have capped off at fifty eight players this season. But I'd I'd be surprised if there's anybody in the kind of camp who hasn't gotten a game this year as well. Like we I think we've used all our resources pretty well. We've rotated well. We've used the interpros very cleverly um to make sure these guys are getting constant games. And I think I do think that like I was trying to think about the other day of what a what a starting con fifteen would like an optimal fifteen, but I think the days of that are almost behind us now. I do think there's always going to be a bit of chopping and changing and a little bit of uh, you know players whose skills in certain situations like Papalini are going to be better used in the second half of a game, but then they might start another game because we're going to play a little slight variation of how we play. So I think the subs did really well, but I think we had a much better game plan for the subs. What hybrids, do you think, Westy, hybrids. In terms of you talk about the depth there, uh, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. We, we talked like we have a very strong strength and depth in the second row. Quinn Rue might be leaving. You know, these seems to have not signed a new deal yet. And I like I I love Quinn Rue. I just I'm not sure if it's the biggest miss with terms of like you know his own dancing feet. Niall Murray and <laughs> Niall Murray the other day, and 
you know, Ushing Dowling looks like a player. But I actually think that the biggest impact for me of any player this season has gone from being really relatively unknown, you know, moving from the Leinster Academy to, I think, could probably be pushing for a starting berth in the Connacht team next year uh, outright ahead of Buckley, which he said to me last year, never would have thought of. I think Jordan Duggan has been absolutely fantastic. Scrummaging, carrying, work off the ball, everything. I think just... You'd, you'd swear he was a 50 capper, not a 10 capper. Like it's, it's his growth has been absolutely brilliant. And if he keeps going like that, brilliant signs of things come. Yeah, true. Um, look, we know, like we'll talk about, obviously it's the Rainbow Cup. I think Connick fans are, well, I think most normal Connick fans are realising this doesn't really matter a whole pile in terms of actual, you know, how the reputation of the cup. But I don't think you can underestimate, lads, just how important this is for the team itself, the players and the fans. Like, the Leicester performance was so underwhelming and it was so below what we all know this team is capable of. So to come back, and as you said, as Paul Boyle said, like to wait two weeks as well, which can go either way, and to perform like that as well as they did, to come back, and they've all season they've been brilliant. They've never quit. They've always fought to the end. But to get your result, to not take the three points, which again, I know it's easy to be brave in a competition that doesn't really matter, but still to get the reward for that, like Wesley, that has to be brilliant for the players. No, it definitely is. And again, I don't want to get overly statistics heavy at the minute. But I think the commentator said something like, we've conceded something like 25 tries in the last 20 minutes of games all season. So, like, I mean, I used to say years ago that Connacht were a first half team. Like, we'd rarely win a game unless we were more than 10 points ahead of half time because we tended to kind of fall apart. And, you know, you guys will say some of that's lack of depth and some of our factors there. Um, but it's great to see us. We, we've done it a couple of times this season, but they've been a little bit fewer and far between where we've either been able to see out a, a good lead that went, you know, quite narrow towards the end, or a game like this where we kind of snatched it at the death. And I think, first off, we said everyone about the Rainbow Cup, derbies are always going to be huge. You know, okay, Ulster maybe rested a couple of lads with an eye on um, the Challenge Cup, but I mean, it was still a pretty full-out Ulster team that was there. Um, so I think it, it's really good for, for us, for confidence-wise, as you say, coming off the back of... You know, losing to Edinburgh at the death, really high scoring game against Scarlets. You know, like, although we had some brilliant moments against Leicester, kind of falling apart really in the last 10 minutes and conceding two tries. Um, it's really good to go up against a local rival, arguably one of, if not second best team in the league. Um, and to get that win is, is so good. And I think, I hope that we're able to carry it through this time. It's not going to be like maybe Leinster where we kind of were a little bit lacklustre for a week or two afterwards. Yeah, Wes, just before Sam, you go, did any of you think when Blade scored a second to take the lead, did any of you think, I know I did, that it was too soon in the game, like there was still too much time left? <laughs> it was like 62 yeah. minutes. I was like, no, it's too early, yeah. lads. That's exactly what I was thinking. I said it, we, we rarely, if ever, win close games we sometimes have close games because we're ahead and then let them get two tries at the death and get back to within two or three points. And it looks like a close game, but snatching a win like that in the end is it's such a good confidence booster. It shows a great mentality. I read this morning that uh, the leadership group approached Andy friend and asked, could they go up the day before just to sort their heads out and not travel on the day, you know, and Andy friend was kind of complimenting the leadership's group's ability to make those decisions. And I think that shows throughout, you know, there was, big moments, big decisions to not go for the three and to go for the corner and to play it out. And they had the advantage and to take the kick and all of those sort of things. I think it was a really smart performance by Connacht. And it's great to get the win off the back of it because, you know, 
the Leicester game, like everyone will be disappointed with the Leicester game. Result was really frustrating. Performance really frustrating. But we got back to within two twice in that. Like, you know, that that's the sort of thing that we've done in the past is stay within it and not get it. So to be able to get the win was absolutely brilliant. Um, when Lowry scored and my God, what a player. Like he came on. He, he's unbelievable. He just, the way he kind of shrugged off uh, Robson McCoy on that blitz, you know, and you will have dog legs in a blitz if you blitz all day. But he was just brilliant to make that break he's he's such a scary player to play against i think uh you were on a podcast recently smurf uh and i can't remember now the the lad's name that the ulster podcast it's we were on ulster lad podcast ulster lad podcast yeah it was very good and he was talking about how lowry kind of his his future position would probably be the 10 and geez i saw it there it's just it's such good first receiver kind of play and it's uh it's scary, scary proposition to come up against. And I'm glad it didn't end up. And it would, it, it, in my mind, I was like, ah, oh, that's probably it. But, you know, that Connick team thought differently. And well, Paul Boyle said it the other day. He put me in my place when I said, you know, we have to have a chip at her shoulder and be kind of thankful for being around. And he said, nah, feck that. That's not the attitude I have. And I'm glad that we got the win out of it. He, nearly, he might as well have said, screw you, Sam, is what he might as well have said. Uh, that's it. But uh, no, the Mike Lowry thing, the scariest thing about Mike Lowry is he's still so young. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's, you know, he's over 10 years left. And, you know, the, the potential is incredible. Westy, we'll talk about Ulster, obviously, because, look, the result didn't go their way. But overall, pretty much as well as it could have gone in the sense that they got some good minutes for Ian Henderson. Will Addison came back and got some good minutes in. Everyone came through pretty much injury free. As far as I'm aware, I don't think anyone picked up any knocks. So, like, going into this weekend for the semi-final, you know, they're they're probably going to be happy enough. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, they'll be disappointed in the loss. Like, a loss, especially at home, um, is going to be tough. I think since Dan McFarland started there, I think the, I think the, the score, like, Dan McFarland versus Andy Friend was 3-3 before that game, so we're kind of ahead now in that kind of... Woo! Win again! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> um, no, I, I think they'll be, I think they'll be a little bit stung, but I think, again... They probably always had an eye on next week. They got, like they did play some really good rugby. This like their their attacking mall was fantastic. Rob Herring scored a brilliant. Tr- even even the fact that they didn't just barrel over the line. I think it was the first try or like the first or second try where they peeled off and ended up scoring the other side of the pitch. But like one or two phases afterwards, where uh, Porch was offside. Who was who got in the corner? Um, which first which got, try is this? Uh, I think what was it their was it their first or second try? Uh, it doesn't matter. They had them all on one side, drove for a while, peeled off. Herring had a pick and go. They popped off into they had like a three on one. Then dog like on the other side. Oh yeah, yeah. My my point is that they, they, it wasn't just like them barring over us and getting scores. They actually played a quite a dynamic game. As Sam said, Mike Lowry coming off the bench and been phenomenal. Um, really impressive. I think they probably had a couple of players who weren't even preparing for the Connacht game, whose eyes were always on the Leicester game. So this was probably a sense of getting through. And I think they will want silverware. The last silverware, as far as I know, was 2008. Um, so they'll be really eyeing up this Challenge Cup. Um, and I've said before, I think it's theirs to lose. So I think um, I think they'll be relatively confident going into Leicester. And they'll sting a bit from the loss, but I don't think it'll affect them too much in a negative way. Yeah, Sam, Wesley makes a good point. Like... We always are complimentary of uh, Ulster's attacking, you know, uh, threat. But when you're supporting a team that's playing against them, they are absolutely petrifying, aren't they? Yeah, they're a scary proposition. And like, you know, Connacht are scary with ball in hand, but Ulster are scary with ball in hand, and they have a really good maul. And that's that's 
doubly scary for a team that can't defend against them all. So it's a uh, no playing it playing against them. They're 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 full of they're f- like stacked with great quality players. Uh, we've seen it all season. We've been saying it all season. You know, like Cooney runs a game really well. Both Burns, Madigan, now Lowry are also like good tens. You know, Hume is a fantastic player. They Balakou and McElroy, like Will Addison coming off the bench is a great sign. So you know, I'm, I think that. I wasn't overly impressed with Stockdale at the weekend. I thought that I was a positive sign from a conduct point of view is Ben O'Donnell decided that he wanted to show us how to tackle because he was flying up and he was taking Stockdale behind the gain line. And that's that's no mean feat. Like Stockdale's a great player. So maybe he just didn't get the rubber to green on the day, but you know, that that whole like Ulster forwards and backs, they're 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 a great team. And I think that they're just going from strength to strength. They'll be in in and around it next year, definitely gonna challenge in the league. And if not that, the Champions Cup as well. Yeah, I think Westy. I just checked there. I think it was 2006 was the last silverware for Ulster. So, um, I have it's... a I have a proposal on this, right? Oh, go ahead. So, seeing as the top four teams in the Pro 14 were the Irish teams, uh, and the quarterfinals and semifinals were cancelled um, for the Rainbow Cup, which has now kind of you know been fairly propped up on its on its legs. You know, it's barely barely up and running. I say we say. Whoever is the winner of these interpros in two weeks' time is the actual winner of the Pro 14. <laughs> Who says no? Who says no? Yeah, I mean, disagree with me, you know, that's fine. <laughs> why, don't but, we do, why don't we do that thing that, like, England and Scotland and they do in uh, the Southern Hemisphere where they just give trophies to matches, like the Calcutta Cup? Why don't we just call it, like, the fucking the Athlone Bowl, like Leinster versus... Oh, <laughs> and I'd love to go to the Athlone Bowl. What is it? Tell me more. Yeah. So excited. Sounds <laughs> tasty. Is that that's a that's, a, that's <laughs> Leinster A versus Connacht Eagles in Dubarry Park. That's the Athlone Bowl. That's silverware for you right there. Uh, Winner gets a free crate of beer. That's, uh, that's how. How about we sponsor one of these bowls? Yeah, Bowl you could have like Astro Astro Bowl. Bowl. the Kerry Gold Cup. You know, uh, Dairyly Dunkables. Uh, there's, there's loads of stuff here that we. Oh can have. man, young Stephen loved the Dairyly Dunkable. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> So, but I, you know, I hope I'm kidding. Old like, Stephen would love him too. There because I was going with the, I was going with Kerry Kerry Gold. So then I went with the Dairy Lee Dunkables, like Dairy for Ulster. So it's all there. Like oh, <laughs> that went straight over my head, Sam. Yeah, it was sure. a terrible pun. I was just trying You're to come up. these too high level, man. But there's uh, yeah, no, like every other every other country, every time they're playing each other, like oh, they're playing for the Calcutta Cup or they're playing for the Red Bus Cup or whatever else it is this time. Why don't we have that between the provinces and just uh. To start saying, oh yeah, we want silverware this year. We want silverware that year. Like, oh, or even better, call it like you know, like the Americans do with the NFL, the World Championship, even though it's only oh. one country playing. That's even better. Let's do that as well. Uh, but we'll move on. Ulster are playing this weekend, same final, and we hope they do go on and win. And it'd be great to see them win silverware. Yeah, geez, they're in for a tough. They're in for a tough old game though. Like that, that Leicester team are they're strong and they're physical, and that Jasper Vice is just like I think he has eyes on that. Uh, South African team for the Lions, so they'll be they'll have their work cut out for them. I think that they can do it. Like Wesley said, I believe it's their tournament to lose. But Jesus, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be betting too far against uh, Leicester either. Yeah, Mike Clare to score a hat trick. You, you heard it here first. Uh, we move on to the second uh, Rainbow Cup of the weekend, and was nowhere near as entertaining. But uh, it was Leinster versus Munster. Uh, Munster coming out on top, twenty-seven points to three, which. Um, Again, I didn't see this game live, so I saw the scoreline. I was shocked, but then I saw the actual Lancer team that was laid out. But this was 
Twitter was so so petty on Sunday. It was fantastic to kind of you know surf through it and just be like, oh, it's so so petty. I love it. But this was a prime example of this tournament and the the bad side of the tournament because both teams can argue different points because of the fact that it's a competition that no one's played before. Leinster feel a weaker team. They have that excuse. Munster beat them. They're like, oh, we bet you. But they know themselves that it's not the same as beating them in the Pro 14 or Europe. Also, if Munster had have lost that game, they could have used the excuse that it was only the Rainbow Cup. So it's very hard to read into these things. But look, it's great for Munster that they finally beat Leinster. It's the first time in a while. You know, whether or not it actually makes them believe they can do it on a, on a big occasion, we don't know. But we'll talk about Munster positive. The first try was just beautiful, came out of nowhere. O'Mahony, who was absolutely immense the whole day. God, that man is still incredible. Fantastic turnover. Westy, we're seeing the best of Damien De Allende, and it's because Munster are playing a bit more open and expansive, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he was. I think I remember it was it last summer during the Interpros when we were talking about it. But maybe commentators were critical of him, saying like he hadn't really had much of an impact in the game. But like even we said it on this when when you look back, the lines he was running, the positions he was in, he was sucking in players. He was kind of. I think early on they used a more of a decoy runner, whereas I think. Throughout the season, he's grown more and more as a as a really kind of core member of the squad. And like, I think, you know, we talk about Papa Lili gaining yards every time he carried the ball. Damien Lende was everywhere. Do you know, he, like, for a guy who played, did he play the full eighty minutes in the end? Like, but you know, played a, a significantly larger portion of the game than Papa Lili, and it's having the very same effect, really. Um, and not only that, but he's defensively quite strong. Um, as I said before, I think he's still running great lines when he's not getting the ball. I think when you have somebody as dynamic as that, as well as Chris Farrell, who is, you know, such a such a strong ball carrier as well, I think he creates such problems for a slightly inexperienced defense that doesn't know which horse to back, you know? Do you think the is going to run up and try and step you, or is he going to offload it to Farrell, who's going to barrel through you? Um, I think it's a really good partnership those two have developed uh, over the year. And I also think Shane Daly had a great game as well. Yeah, and still so handsome, so handsome. Yeah, so uh, handsome. Munster, or sorry, um, Harry Byrne going off injured, Sam. Not really what, you know, Irish fans, we still want to kind of see what he can do because obviously the hype is always around him. Him going off early, pretty early, or injured off uh, early was pretty disappointing. Yeah, it was, it, you wanted to see him. Uh, you, you want to see kind of more of him in these bigger games, you know, play, playing against a Munster, playing, like running the back line because like you said, the, they, they seemingly fielded some sort of weakened team. I'm sure we'll talk about that now in a second. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not nice on the young lad because there is so much pressure on him because there is so much talk about him. And that's that's at the fault of a few people in particular, I think, uh, that didn't do him any favours. We're, we're rushing to get the chance. Like, there was uh, the the one thing I will say about now before we get on to the Leinster was that that whole thing about, like, people saying, oh, Leinster thirds could, or Leinster thirds could beat Italy. A lot of that stems from actually the fact that people were demanding Harry Byrne starts versus Italy. It wasn't necessarily they were saying the sentence the Leinster third team could beat Italy, but they were saying Harry Byrne has to start against Italy. He has to do it against Italy. And that was, it was a bit early, in my opinion. We spoke about it on here. And I would have just liked to see more games like this, more games where he could be the main man. He could kind of be in charge. He, he was running. The, he'd get the opportunity to run back line. So it's, it's, it's unfair on him. It's, it's, it's a frustrating one for him. Uh, and, you know, it's it's just another excuse for people to level as well so so wait the Lancet third team couldn't beat Italy is that what we just found out 
no, like we, we can talk about that. We can talk about that now in a second. I just want to back up what Wesley said and with the Dialande thing. I think he's playing some of the best rugby since he moved to Munster because they're playing a bit more open. One thing that happened early on with him was there was this kind of thing where everyone started saying like how aggressive and how he was uh, such a battering ram and how strong he was and how he always used his strength. And then there was this little time for a couple of weeks where people were like, you know, he's actually pretty good with his hands for someone who's a battering ram. And actually, no, it's like, you know what? He's actually just a well-rounded rugby player that can do everything. And he is strong and he is fast. World is, Cup winner, in uh, fact. Uh, and he, he, he turned Larmor inside out. <laughs> like, so, you know, he was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, great to watch. Love, love watching him play. And, you know, he just compliments uh, Farrell so well. And the, the rest of that Munster team, they, they really, they played very, very good rugby. It was quite a sloppy game, though, to be honest. Uh, no. There's rumours going around actually that Larmer's still spinning around the RDS <laughs> just looking for Damien Nalende. <laughs> just just twirling. <laughs> twirling. Twirling towards freedom. Yeah, well, Wes, you had a good point though in the, in the WhatsApp at the time. If Larmer did that to Damien Nalende, it would be like the you know the, the coming of Jesus again, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you do, like you're, you're always going to get certain tinted views on this stuff and I, I do think there is often a push in the media for certain players like you know wow. had Harry Byrne played uh, and they so lost don't we be talking Westy. about him but come on there's, there's that, that certain push and I was going to I was going to not be bitter and say it but I'm going to bring it up uh, if Craig Casey had a game anywhere near what Blady had at the weekend people wouldn't be able to say another scrum half's name for six weeks like Casey's very very good he's very very young but Blade has done that so many times the last few years He's still quite young. He's 26 now, I think. You know, he needs to be in around that Irish conversation. But uh, back to the game at hand. Yeah, Larmer was turned inside out. It was, it was great to watch, you know. Uh, really, It was lovely to watch Munster beat Leinster, the RDS. Like, it's, well, let's you know, talk Leinster- about that. Westy, what you, if you're a Munster fan, what, what are you taking from that win? Are you are you delighted that he's beat Leinster? But are, are you also knowing that it wasn't exactly the strongest team? No, but I must be very careful what I say because Connacht did a very similar thing earlier on in the year. Um, <laughs> that no, that no, last I team think... that Connacht bet was much stronger than that team at the weekend. I is, don't that, know. is that fair to say? Well, no, because I had Sexton at the start, but Sexton went off early. It was a, sim- it was a similar almost, um, you know, playing out of the game. Um, but no, I think no, I think first and foremost, like it's the release of a frustration. You know, it's a it's a monkey off the back. We've like I said it all season. Like once they do beat them, it's going to be easier to beat them again. Um, even look at Connacht Ulster we've beaten them twice in the last 60 years and two of those have been in the last four years so like once you get that kind of you know once you break that chain that kind of break that mindset these players have beaten Leinster now there's less pressure on them next time well I don't know actually maybe there's more pressure on them next time but at least they have more self-belief in themselves because they've done it once now and you can say again you can say oh it was nothing competition it was a weaker team at the end of the day it's an interpro in Ireland and it's the two let's say, biggest rivals out of the four of us. So I don't, I think you have to give yourself credit where credit's due. You can only play the team in front of you and you won. And you, that's only, the, like that's the first time in 18 months since Leinster haven't scored a try in a game. So it's not just that you, you know, managed to get one over on a weaker team. You fairly systematically destroyed a weaker team and you taught Leinster a lesson not to set out a second stream against you again. I, I think as well as that, I don't think that you can spend the entire last four years talking about how good the conveyor belt is and how unbeatable the system is and how that like Leinster can have 19 players away and that, you know, the young lads step in and it's seamless transition. And that's been the strength of Leinster for so long has been how seamless the transition to players like Scott Penny are to players like uh, 
Ryan Baird coming in from such a young age and being that dominant in the league, you can't have that narrative for this whole time. But then when that team gets beaten, say, oh, but it was a weaker team because that's not how it works. There's Leinster teams like, you know, Keen Kelleher, Dave Kearney, not, not Irish internationals. They played the most minutes on the wing for Leinster this season. Harry Byrne played six or seven games during the Six Nations because two people above ahead of him were in uh, in the squad. Ring Rose and Henshaw regularly in the squad. So the centre partnership isn't those. Those players don't play that much in the league, but Leinster still walk the league and the Leinster fans still say, oh, look how easy it is to walk the league. So I don't think you can have that narrative and talk about how strong your strength and depth is and how it's a seamless transition to those second and third choice players and then get salty and throw back into throw like insulting your own players by saying, Oh, it was a third choice team uh, out there because it wasn't because there was Irish internationals there. There's future lions there. There's like, there was plenty of players in that pitch and they've been doing it all season with that team. So take the last when it happens, Munster outplayed them. Munster played a better game than they did in the pro 14 final. And I think that if Leinster's full team had been there, that Munster team and display that they put out would probably been maybe not as dominant, but would have been very close to that game. Yeah, I th- I agree, totally agree. It's great for M- Munster. I think Westy, you made a great point. That that mindset has changed a little bit, even though it you know wasn't the full strength team. You still you, you bet them. That's all that matters. Um, Munster's pack was incredible. They absolutely dominated Leinster's pack the whole game. Munster were in peak Munster form, and I mean that as in they were proper narky bastard stuff. Like that. as they in were, they were like. They went back to the mid nineties in terms of their rucking techniques, wasn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was. We'll get to that in a second. But the, like, we thought Connick line speed. Connick's line speed was great. So was Munster's. Their physicality, like they were laying in the market early and often. P- poor Hugh O'Sullivan, the scrum half for Leinster, spent more time digging for balls at rucks than he did actually passing the ball. I felt so bad for him. He'd be going out to get the ball, and he'd be absolutely nailed by either Omani Klein. CJ, whoever it was, and it was like it was peak monster, and it was great for those lads like Omahani, like CJ, because we you know obviously he's leaving, uh, retiring to finally get that win over Leinster that's been coming a long time. I was delighted for those lads, but I think we have to talk about an unsung hero of, uh, of monster. And I was chatting to uh, Over the Hill Prop uh, on on Twitter today, but he was saying he's becoming the new Billy Holland. Basically, is is Jack O'Donoghue. He was absolutely fantastic, and as as Owen the over the hill prop, he said, like he's not good enough for Ireland, but he's fantastic for Munster, and he'll be there week in week out when the, maybe the other boys are gone. And he was absolutely fantastic at the weekend, wasn't he, Sam? Yeah, and he he's been brilliant, and he's quietly amassing a, a hell of a lot of caps, you know. So like that that not being good enough for Ireland, but being good enough for Munster, that that's a really really good thing to have, you know. And Connacht have benefited from that for years. Leinster have also benefited from it for years. Like the likes of Bent put up serious amount of caps and appearances for Leinster because, you know, you need those players in the squad for when the players are on international duty. So having a player like that around, I know he's probably not going to thank us for saying it on the podcast because I'm sure he just want nothing more to get, be good enough for Ireland. But having those players around, those club men that, that do it all and play week in, week out and go to Rodney Parade and, you know, go to Treviso and might not get the Champions Cup semi-final sort of thing or maybe they will but they, they won't get the Ireland call up with this they're, they're the players you want and the players that the fans like the most you know they might not get the international accolades but you'd be like you'll, he'll know how appreciated he is at Munster because he's an absolute like stalwart of the team yeah Wesley that's Sam it's a good point they're, they're the lads that are the most fun to cheer for like the, the Jack O'Donoghue's the John Muldoon's like they're the lads that the local people really get behind aren't they 
Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, you said it perfectly there with, with, with Muldoon, you know, you, you really do easily get behind your own. And there's such a great thing for someone who can be like, a, you know, the, the one club man or even we might, we're probably going to see it now in later years where lads in their 30s, 34, 33 might go off and do a year or two in France. But it's great to have someone who's that reliable and that sure, that kind of constant voice and change. And I said it about Billy Holland as well, as you know, Sam said there as well. You, you need a constant in the change room. I think that's the thing that, you know, maybe, well, actually, sorry, Leinster handled it really well. It could maybe be a downfall for them as years go on, but constantly having 18, 19 players away with the Ireland squad makes it very difficult to have a, you know, a single voice that kind of rings out in the changing room. Um, I do think we're all overlooking Jack O'Donoghue for an Ireland jersey, though. Um, I know he's been in a couple of camps. I don't think he's capped. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um I think he is definitely has a has a mind to an Ireland jersey, and I think with CJ retiring, there is probably potential there. The only issue is if Coombs maybe might leapfrog him. We don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, that's that. That is the problem because Coombs is really good and he's younger, so uh, it is. But yes, no offense to Jack if he's listening. Uh, he, is, uh, he has two Ireland caps, Canada and the US. Oh, that they're the games you want to play right there. Yeah, we have to talk about uh, Stephen oh, sorry, Archer. Canada and Japan, sorry. Canada Japan, okay. Uh, Stephen Archer decided to go climbing um, on James Ryan's stomach. Uh, uh, did, did, you, did, you, did you hear James Ryan calling Archer a fat cunt on the audio? <laughs> yeah, James, James, Ryan, James Ryan came across, uh, and there'll be one, one lad listening to this, and he'll know who I'm talking about, but... You know, the thick little brother who's forever kind of getting beaten up by the older lads, the older brothers, and eventually just loses it and goes, oh, get off me, you fat fuck. Like, that's what James Ryan sounded like down the rest of my Yeah, years. I think he couldn't <laughs> believe that he was being oh. stamped on with that. That's, was, that was uh, just a yellow card. Let's discuss it that. Just, it was just a yellow card. It was a, it was a, an old school rucking technique. Yeah. Uh, it used to be very much allowed. You used to kind of be moving the player back with your boot. Uh, but what I will say is I kind of I felt for Stephen Archer because it seemed like Leinster and they've done it for a while have had this. I don't know if they're they're good enough to do it or it just happens to be accidental, but their tackler ends up lying vertically through the middle of the ruck and getting nearly in the way of the scrum half a lot and kind of doing this thing with the hands up saying, look, I'm trying to roll away. And the ref leaves them off instead of saying, you know, oh, you've made the effort, but you're pinned in. They seem to be in and around the scrum house feet a lot. And I think Archer just kind of went, you know what? If you're going to be lying there every second time there's a rook, I'm just going to stand all over you once or twice. Because that is how you'll stop them from doing it. Because you don't want that to happen to you twice. Like, So let's just sound just to clear. We're, we're defending the guy who's stamped on someone. No, I'm saying I understand where it came from. Uh, and <laughs> if, if, I, think, if, I think what Sam is saying is that there's no way Stephen Archer could have known that James Ryan was there. He clearly isn't looking at him. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to find the ground. It could happen to anybody. I agree so with you, Sam. Sam, yeah. Sam is saying that he's okay with that, but Ulster getting a tackle checked, is that's bad form. That's <laughs> no, bad I'm not, form. I'm not saying it's not bad form. I'm saying that's not that's not allowed in the game anymore. It does. There's no place in the game for it. So why wasn't but, it a red then? I don't know why it's not a red, but I'm not, I didn't say it wasn't a red. I just said I can understand where Stephen Archer was coming from because for about five or six phases in the previous 10 minutes, a Leinster tackler ended up at uh, Conor Murray's feet or at the scrum half's feet. Sorry, I'm getting invaded by cats here. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, and that that's kind of this thing where they put their hands up and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm in the way, I'm trying to get away. And, you know, it, it to me, it's, it, it was happening so regularly and it has been happening so regularly 
that it's not a coincidence. They're also the team that kind of invented pinning people into the rook to get their themselves penalties. So, you know, they have a dark arts and sometimes that backfires. You get stood all over. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, James Ryan's going to have a few marks in the morning. But, Westy, what do you, uh, should that be a red? I feel like it should be a red. I'd say it probably should be, yeah. I'd say it probably should be a red. It would have been nice to see the... Yeah, the twenty-minute red pop up in in Rainbow Cup. I mean, wh- when it happened, I suppose live, I kind of thought it was. I don't know. I I didn't think it was a red live anyway. Then looking back over, like Jesus, actually, like he knows well what he's doing. Um, maybe I, th- I think maybe I was joking there with Sam, but maybe they'd give him a bit of the benefit without thinking like. Maybe the first. There's nowhere else to put his feet. Yeah, the first. It's the shot to the nuts, really. That, that you know that gets me. Uh, it's the jumping up and down like a kid in a, in a puddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what really it's the best You see him go in, like he actually puts his head down and looks back and sees James Ryan and starts like stamping on him. And then uh, the, the yeah, innocent sorry. look when James Ryan calls him out and it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. Like, it's just so obvious. But you, you, is... you could make the argument that had Ryan rolled away, he wouldn't have gotten stamped on. That's but exactly like, what I'm saying. I don't think... But don't like, think... doesn't excuse it, but maybe that's why it's a yellow, not a red, because... Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, that's fair enough. Munster, I think the only thing I would say about Munster is again they fully deserved the win. They were dominating, but they just weren't very clinical with ball and hand. Like it took until the sixty-second minute to get that second try to kind of put the game sort of out of reach. Like they had loads of opportunities, but there was some knock-ons. It just didn't look very sharp, Westy. Is that harsh or is that sort of fair? No, I think that's fair, but I think that was across the board. I think like the handling in general was pretty poor in the game for such a dry, hottest day of the year so far. Like maybe it was, you know, maybe it's sweat and stuff, and you know, players not used to playing in the heat. It's been pretty long since we've had a nice hot sun, summer's day here. Um, so maybe that was part of it. But you you would think in a dry like that there'd be a lot of free flow and passes, a lot of offloads and stuff, but it just didn't really seem to come off for either team. And you know, I. I I do think that was part of Leinster's downfall. And I think, as you said, it probably stopped Munster from getting that extra step ahead early on. And probably why it went down to, well, didn't really pull away. They weren't really safe until what, the last five, ten minutes, I think. Yeah, the, the last five, time. they sort of pushed. Yeah, they, they separated themselves. But no, it's just it's just Munster, like, their, their pack, their def- defending, their ferocity is all there. Like, that's where it needs to be it's just the ball in hand they just lack a little bit but look at they got the win fair play to them and I'm delighted for them because that's been coming a while so but we'll move oh actually sorry before we get on that news kind of broke today um, that Tyke Furlong is possibly looking at going abroad uh, to England maybe to Worcester Warriors apparently has sort of been uh, named because maybe he's not happy with the IRFU sort of offer to him and what that seems to be the case but like this is this can't be let happen by the wire for you. I think we're all in agreement. Has there been a play, when's when's the last player that was so loved by every province? Like Tyke Furlong is loved by everybody. Like if he's let go, a man in his prime when he's back to his best, that would be absolutely ludicrous, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think this it's very much as media kind of kind of hearsay. There might be tentative little approaches to him because they know his contract situation, but. If anything, it's probably just being used to put a fire under the IRFU to offer a better deal or to offer a proper deal or to get it done quickly. Uh, I can't see him going at the moment the way he is. Uh, and if he did go, you know, like Leinster fans aren't going to thank me for saying it, but Jesus, Munster could do with him. Like, so if, if it was a change of scenery, he's after. I'm going to break the news now. I can tell you now, he's coming to Connor. 
Yes. Oh, was... right. We're having Whip Round. We're getting a contract together. Tyg for if, if I say it enough, it'll happen. I'm yeah, going to manifest destiny here. Someone needs to come on for Finley at 60 minutes. So, you know, who, yeah, better, exactly. who better than Tyg Furlong? So. Could you imagine Finley and Tyg? They'd be such little basham bros. They'd love it. They would. They would absolutely love it. Uh, that would be... It's never happening, but it's great to dream. Uh, so, yeah, I review. Fucking sign them. He's useless fuckers. Uh, we move down south, and not for the first time on this podcast, we have to talk about a heartbreaking Hurricanes loss. Uh, Sam... Well, first of all, we need to talk about the Chiefs because what a comeback story. Uh, we joked about him with hashtag Gatlin out, but my God, the year that he's not there, they go and they're in the final against the Crusaders. They, they won, just to remind anyone who isn't aware, they won zero games last year and lost the first two games of this season. And since then have been on an absolute tear, have surpassed Blues, Highlanders, the piddly-ass Hurricanes to get to the final to play Crusaders. Uh, Sam, I would say you want to forget this tournament fairly quickly. Yeah, it's a tough one because the results have not been good. The displays haven't actually been that bad. There's been some good play. That game was a great game. Like you know, there was some good play from both. Came out the traps early, played well. Probably didn't take as much advantage of it as he should have, uh, and then allowed Chiefs into it. And then it was just Damian McKenzie doing what Damian McKenzie does, which is just being absolutely clutch when it needed to happen. So, you know. This current year for Hurricanes, I think, might go down a bit like last year for Chiefs, whereby actually there wasn't huge amounts wrong with Chiefs early on last season. It kind of tailed off towards the end. There were some close losses, and that's happened in this one as well. Like Hurricanes have been close in a lot of what they've done, even in games where they were well beaten, like the Crusaders game early on in the season. They actually played really well until the yellow card, and then it just got away from them. But uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a depressing enough kind of, set of results which is the unfortunate thing i know that the local fans i don't really seem to i don't have a problem with the way that the team is going but the local fans are not overly in with the management and uh, seems to be a lot on kind of the local twitter stuff that they're not happy with the coaches the length of the coaches uh, and also some of the players that have been allowed go from both the academy and the the starting team there's talk of tj paranara never coming back being linked with the move to uh the nrl so you know, there's there's kind of there's a bit of an ill feeling towards the management and the coach instead of there from the local fans. But I don't know I'm I'm quite I'm quite positive about a lot of things towards the Hurricanes. Take nothing away from Damian McKenzie. Like when you want a player to clutch moments like the end of a game like that, big smile on his face. Absolutely. How many, game, how many game winners is that? Three. Three, definitely. Anyway. Three. Three. Westy, I've got a question for you. All Blacks are playing tomorrow. Must win game. Who are you starting at 15? Uh, well, it's got to be DMAC now, right? I mean, I love Jordy. Jordy on the bench to get those long range. Uh, Disagree. Range Disagree picks. entirely. Uh, I think that DMAC, and this is going to come as a criticism. It's not a criticism. I said the same thing about John Cooney for Ireland is his kicking ability is not part and parcel of his overall ability. If, if All Blacks are playing and Moanga's playing, DMAC is not the kicker. Moanga is. So he just becomes in the fullback conversation. But I think Jordy Barrett is more dominant in the air. I think he's a better tackler. I think he's a bigger boot out of hand. I think he plays as a second receiver a bit better than Damian McKenzie. And I think he's a better fullback. Damian McKenzie scores match-winning conversions and penalties. Not necessarily what you want from a fullback. Also, not a situation that the All Blacks find themselves in too often, having to win it at the debt. 
yeah. I, I, th- I can't believe I'm about to say this. I think I agree with Sam. I think I'd be picking Jordy. Is that, is that hard? Well, I have said before... Uh, well, maybe not. I, I, I think Mackenzie's a fantastic ball carrier and a great second playmaker as oh, well. I, just think, I have said before, though, that I think he's a, he, he has been and will continue to be a, a, one of the best impact subs in the world. Um, Do you think I'd that plays against him then, starting? I think it does, yeah. I think I think that often, you know, it's like a Papalili situation. You, know, you want to keep keep the big guns in reserve. Uh, Papalili is so happy being a reserve. Did you see when Blade scored, there was no interest in him bending over for another rook. He just pointed down when Tri scored. Try scored <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. <laughs> he was just confident, Sam. He was just confident. But uh, that All Blacks 15 jersey, it is. It's, you know, it yeah. is. It, yeah, it's, but there's some great candidates and, Another, well, Jordan's got something uh, to say. As I say, another, another candidate was in the Crusaders-Blues game. Will Jordan open up the scoring with some absolute brilliance play, probably some shoddy defending by the Blues, but he you know, he makes stuff happen out of nowhere. Like, Wesley, what does he have to do to get into that? Is he still too young for that 15 jersey? I don't necessarily say he's too young, but it could be a stage where age might go against him in that. He probably has a lot more time to develop. Like, like I was shocked at the weekend. Mackenzie's only twenty six. I thought he was a lot older than that. Um, you know, it really makes me feel shit about myself. That is pretty depressing. Um, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um. So I think, like Jordan was fantastic last season, Super Bowl, but this season maybe has only had a handful of those highlight reel moments that we saw so many of last year. So I think he's still rounding out as a player and still kind of defining himself. So I think another couple of successful seasons. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the squad. I wouldn't be surprised if they take uh, Mackenzie, uh, Jordy Barrett, and Will Jordan. But I think at the minute the, the shootout is between Jordy Barrett and Mackenzie. Well, you could see maybe if I don't know who their toys are against to play in a smaller game. You could see Jordy Barrett. He has played on the wing before for the All Blacks, so he could shift out and they could bring Will Jordan in a fullback. Maybe. Yeah, they like they like Jordy Barrett in the wing for his size uh, and having another kicker. Uh, Will Jordan also a wing and a uh, wing opportunity. I think if you're bringing if you're bringing back three players instead of just out and out fullback, it, it's a great situation to be in. Yeah, they also have Bowden Barrett uh, coming back at some stage too. So. Yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, <laughs> that's like ridiculous. But um, no, he will. Will uh, we talking about Will Jordan? Um, at the end of the game, he had a sprint against Finley Christie, and it almost looked like two people from different species. And it was like, and Finley Christie <laughs> isn't, I'm sure, a slow guy. But Will Jordan is just so... I feel bad for his hamstrings. They're going to explode someday. He's so fast. Uh, Sam, what do you think uh, in regards to... Look, Crusaders bet the crap of the Blues at the weekend. They're in the final now against the Chiefs. They're obviously going to be massive favourites, but I think everyone's going to be cheering for the Chiefs, aren't they? No. I'm... Uh, <laughs> bitter. I'm, I'm, I'm bitter uh, in the fact that I think I can get my head around the hurricane season if Crusaders just absolutely dominate and win it again. And I go, ah, you know what? It was just a blip. But if if Chiefs win it, that's like when Leicester won the Premier League. And as a Liverpool fan, I went, the one year we're not in and around the conversation, someone else gets to take advantage of a slip up. And that's what I don't want to happen this year because I think that like any of the teams in that league, Highlanders, Chiefs, Blues, uh, Hurricanes, I think on their day, are capable of winning the league if Crusaders slip up. But I think Crusaders win it nine times out of ten. So I'm hoping that just happens and that I don't regret the season that we had, you know, narrow losses and some bad decision-making and maybe a player or two going that shouldn't have and could have taken the opportunity. 
that's just me being bitter. When the game is on, obviously, I'll, I'm sort of like, I would be cheering for Chiefs. I'd like to see McKenzie do it. But Imagine McKenzie yeah. with another game winner for the actual title. That'd be incredible. But speaking of Blues, Westy, uh, Sam makes a great point. You know, the, the year that if Chiefs go on to win it, as a Blues fan, you're going to have to be disappointed with how the Blues got on the season. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the last kind of couple of years, two years ago, Blues were very, very poor. Last year was kind of a, a real shock in how successful they were and even how close some of those gains the Crusaders were. You know, if had it gone to a, a final last year, I think Blues, well, I don't, I'm not going to say they would have won, but they, you know, they would have maybe backed themselves to at least, you know, push it close. Um, I think they'd be disappointed there's a couple of, no more than that Sam said about Canes, a couple of fixtures that they left out there. But the real thing for me with Blues is that both games against the Hurricanes, or not, sorry, both games against the Crusaders, they really didn't look like they were going to beat them, especially at the weekend, you know. So I think that's the real hurting point is that, although last year I can say, okay, they lost to the Crusaders, but they, they might have got them in a final. I really don't think there's much purchase to say that they would have been better in a final against the Crusaders because that's a fa- essentially what we had yesterday you know that was their kind of chance they had to win that game to be with a chance to get a, a into the final and now they don't yeah that's true right boys we'll leave it there we've spoken all we need to speak on uh and we will we will come back next week and do it all again boys so appreciate you as always uh thanks for everyone for listening uh, as always said get involved tweet us and we'll get chatting if i said before about the the big papa decision let us know what you think who was right sam me or me or westy um and yeah boys look at thank you and we'll do it again next week chat you soon catch you later see you boys